I just want to get your reaction. What do you think of the series? Well, I have seen the program, and my very first reaction to it was it was clearly not a documentary at all. Uh, This is a defense advocacy piece. It's uh, produced by and for uh, Stephen Avery, uh, by his uh, defense team and those that uh, worked with him. It provides uh, one side of the case, provides their theory about planted evidence and about a conspiracy that led to Mr. Avery's uh, wrongful conviction. Uh, I would uh, disagree that um, they're entitled to use the term um, documentary. In fact, I have uh, called the use of that term irresponsible. If you are going to present something as the facts, in other words, as both sides of a case, uh, then you should make sure that it includes items that are inconsistent with your ultimate conclusion or your ultimate theory that you'd like the audience to reach. Obviously, in this case, uh, the uh, facts that they uh, pick and choose, uh, I've called it cherry-picking, concludes and um, supports uh, the planting evidence theory. Uh, They intentionally withheld evidence from the viewers that was presented at the jury trial that, in my opinion, and apparently in the opinion of the jury, dispelled the defense of planting. And for those who, who don't know, what is some of that evidence? The Netflix documentary never tells the viewers that the um, victim's phone and her camera and her Palm Pilot um, were found burning or burned, I should say, in Stephen Avery's burn barrel. Uh, that's a separate location from the um, burn pit where her bones uh, were found, uh, about 20 feet north of Stephen Avery's front door. They also didn't tell you that uh, Blaine Dassey, the brother of Brendan Dassey, uh, saw uh, items uh, uh, being burned in that location, as well as a friend of Earl Dassey, one of the uh, other brothers of, uh, of Stephen Avery. And so there was evidence uh, that uh, really by uh, perhaps a quarter to 4 p.m. on the 31st, Stephen Avery's already burning the contents of Teresa Avery's purse. Uh, why doesn't the documentary uh, include that information? I've heard uh, excuses that there wasn't enough time to put that in. You know, the documentary shows all kinds of extraneous information about me personally. Uh, it has um, several um, minutes, uh, if not more than that, of um, uh, Stephen Avery's father and mother uh, driving a golf cart uh, around the woods and things like that, you know, as far as editing goes and picking and choosing what's relevant uh, to the storyline and what is not, uh, it would appear that um, specific evidence that would take about 10 seconds to tell the viewer uh, should be included. The obvious point, of course, is it's inconsistent with planting. Uh, there was no explanation for uh, the phone and the um, camera uh, why those items would be burned in uh, Stephen Avery's uh, burn barrel. Uh, the hood latch of the victim's car had non-blood DNA on it. Uh, that's underneath the hood, something that can't be, at least uh, we argued, planted by the police. Um, it was located at the Wisconsin State Crime Lab. 
not by any investigative officers, and so um, uh, it also is uh, is not blood. And the defense made a great bit out of uh, a vial of blood being apparently um, kind of sprinkled around the uh, the scene, which uh, the FBI indicated was nonsense. It was not the blood from uh, from that vial. That notwithstanding, uh, they have no explanation for the non-blood um, DNA on, on the hood latch. Our uh, position, of course, is that it was from Stephen Avery's sweaty hands that Brendan Dassey, when you watch his three-and-a-half-hour confession, that is uh, the entire three-and-a-half-hour confession, you will hear him saying that when he and Uncle Stephen hid the victim's vehicle, uh, that night, after they were cleaning up the crime scene, that Uncle Stephen went underneath the hood of Teresa Halbach's car. That was the first time that law enforcement knew that happened. That led the crime lab to swab the hood latch, and in fact, lo and behold, there's Avery's um, non-blood DNA on the hood latch. And so, why don't you include that kind of information, Scott? I mean, that's the kind of of balanced information that should be included. Now, Netflix, or I should say their filmmakers, suggest that uh, they gave the prosecution an opportunity for an interview. That's not the answer, Scott. Uh, I don't need to be interviewed for them to include the centerpieces of my closing argument as to why the planting defense was nonsense. They had all of that information. They had nine or ten different pieces of of evidence that dispelled uh, Stephen Avery as being a victim of a planting or a victim of a conspiracy. Uh, And once again, it is my um, fervent belief that they intentionally excluded that to their narrative, that is, that uh, Mr. Avery was improperly convicted. In spite of, of what you say about the planting of evidence, I'm just wondering, do you think that the Manitowoc County law enforcement being involved sort of in the investigation here, which they were not necessarily supposed to be, do you think that that presented a conflict of interest? Well, it presented challenges for uh, for me as the lead prosecutor in the case. Um, the uh, Manitowoc Sheriff's Department was instructed not to take an active role in the investigation. They were allowed to provide logistical and other support. They were never left alone on the uh, Avery property during any searches or uh, any other uh, any other time, um, but uh, it does appear that they took a more um, active role during uh, some of this eight-day processing of this scene than they should. Um, the difficulty that I had, Scott, was um, that's how it was presented to me. That's how it comes to me. And so I can either um, say at that time, well, uh, the killers of Teresa Halbach should go free, uh, or I can deal with it uh, as I did at the, um, at the trial when I made it uh, crystal clear uh, that if you were going to buy this um, planting defense, you had to be prepared to say the cops killed this young lady. Uh, There were too many uh, important pieces of evidence, including the victim herself, that the police would have had possession of. And to suggest that the cops burned up her body or chopped up this young woman um, in order to uh, thwart some lawsuit against these police officers' employer 
that is uh, Manitowoc-Coney, um, I believe is, is absurd. That's a reach that I'm not prepared uh, to make. One, I'm sure the jury was uh, not prepared uh, to go to as well. And although it's a, a very uh, clever argument to make, and I'm sure you can get all kinds of conspiracy theorists to um, buy that the cops and the prosecution and the crime lab and the phone company and the judge and everybody was against Stephen Avery. Uh, I tend to believe that uh, the evidence speaks for itself, and Mr. Avery was the individual uh, most responsible for uh, taking the life of Teresa Hallbach. Specifically, how difficult was it for your prosecution argument, the finding of the key, that particular bit of evidence, or was that not something that was challenging to you? Well, it was, of course it was challenging. We knew uh, immediately that um, the defense was going to challenge um, a key that's found on a subsequent uh, search. Uh, what the documentary, though, doesn't tell you, Scott, is that we presented the explanation for that. The cabinet that held this key, it's kind of a small nightstand, clearly had a, about a three-quarter inch gap in the back of it. Uh, photographs and, in fact, the cabinet itself were shown to the jury. It was shown how the key fell out the back of the cabinet as officers were moving it around and as it falls to the floor. Uh, that's how it is, you know, quote-unquote, uh, discovered when it wasn't discovered in previous searches. Nothing mysterious about that at all. It was absolutely explainable once you look at the cabinet, once you understand that the first several searches of that uh, property were sweeps uh, for the body of Teresa Hobach, for weapons only, for things like that. And it wasn't until subsequent, more detailed um, searches for smaller evidence, uh, trace evidence, and uh, and the like that uh, that this key was discovered. Uh, it is problematic. It looks on the documentary uh, very compelling uh, that this item was um, found by uh, uh, two uh, Manitowoc County Sheriff's deputies, uh, but uh, the conspiracy theory that is attributed to that uh, just doesn't hold any water. So in light of, of what you're saying about the show and in a, a very clear bias in your opinion, I'm wondering what your reaction is to the hundreds of thousands of people now that are signing petitions calling for a pardon for Stephen Avery uh, or to have the case re-examined. What's your reaction to, to all of that? Well, I've got several uh, several comments about that. First of all, I'm a defense attorney now. I'm in private practice. I'm not a DA. Uh, and anything that leads to additional dialogue as to the uh, the very real problems that are present in our criminal justice system um, is a good thing. Uh, that is the, uh, the silver lining to this particular um, presentation that's made. I'd secondly say it's, it's very entertaining. Anybody who watches the story is uh, compelled by it. I think the filmmakers did an excellent job of editing uh, and uh, putting together um, a very um, entertaining, uh, if I can use that term, uh, and, uh, and compelling documentary. Uh, the problem is, of course, the other side of that coin is it's at the expense of Teresa Halbach, it's at the expense of 
her family, who now has to um, be confronted with suggestions such as um, Mike Halbach, uh, the brother of Teresa, was actually the one who killed her, or that friends or family were actually involved in killing her, or at the very least that the quote-unquote real killer of Stephen Avery is uh, still out walking around somewhere. Uh, they were provided with closure. They were provided with a degree of this case being finally done after uh, all the years of litigation, uh, which, by the way, was from very, very good uh, defense and, and appellate attorneys for Mr. Avery. Uh, that's all been done. The jury's done their job. The appellate courts uh, have done their job and uh, Mr. Avery uh, should spend the rest of his life uh, in prison to have the family now um, once again be victimized by the kind of attention that this is get, uh, uh, getting and uh, having almost no attention paid to who the real victims uh, of this case were, that is, Teresa Halbach and her family, uh, I think is absolutely tragic. In light of what you've said about the bias of the series, are there elements in there that do accurately present a failing of the system in some way from the investigation through the trial itself? Yes. There were problems with both the investigation uh, and uh, some of the uh, information that was released prior to uh, the prosecution, having to do it uh, all over again as an example. Um, uh, presented the Brendan Dassey uh, complaint on the 2nd of March in a verbal manner. In a, I would have simply released uh, the document, the a criminal complaint of Brendan Dassey, and not uh, made any comment on it. My goal at the time was actually to limit the information that was being disseminated, and by only providing a, a thumbnail uh, of what was in the a very detailed, very graphic, very disturbing document. And my hope was to shield or insulate the family uh, from uh, most of the uh, details and most of the angst uh, that was going to come from it. Uh, although I was entitled uh, to comment uh, upon that evidence, since all of it was included in a court document that had been filed uh, with, the, um, with the circuit court at the time, uh, the criticism that uh, has been launched some of it fair uh, after uh, that case uh, would have me today uh, not uh, hold that particular press conference. Also, um, although the uh, DA's office isn't involved in the day-to-day operations of a search and um, making sure uh, that the Manitowoc uh, sheriff's deputies uh, did not take an active role, um, I should have uh, checked closer uh, with uh, law enforcement uh, to make sure I knew who was doing what at you know this 40-acre uh, scene. Uh, let me also say, though, Scott, that uh, identifying officers Link and Colburn as the uh, villains in this case uh, certainly wasn't done at the time. It wasn't done before the uh, search happened. They weren't defendants in the lawsuit against uh, against Stephen Avery. Uh, after the fact, when uh, the defense attorneys went through the documents and said, well, whose names uh, can we attach to this, Who, whose names come up enough 
that we can plausibly suggest, well, they must be uh, the ones that planted it. That's all done after the fact. That's all done after pouring through thousands of pages of documents and um, and then creating, if you will, uh, a defense uh, at that time. It's unfair to suggest that while the um, investigation was going on, that Lieutenant Link, who, by the way, is the head of the Detective Bureau, if there's a if there's a big case in Manitowoc, he better be involved uh, in that case. And the same thing with with Sergeant Colburn, who's uh, one of the lead supervisors of the patrol staff there. And so the fact that their names in this very small department uh, come up often isn't surprising at all. This isn't, you know, New York or, or even Minneapolis as far as the number of cops that are involved, because the same officer's name comes up uh, is mostly a product of the size of the law enforcement department that we were talking about and just a common sense recognition that in more serious cases uh, your more seasoned officers are going to be involved. So uh, they can be looked at as conspiratorial, uh, but when you realize it wasn't until after the fact that they're identified as um, as villainous uh, and it uh, wasn't at all uh, the intent of uh, the Calumet County, Sheriff's Department or Division of Criminal Investigation to have them involved uh, as, as they were. Is it a problem? Absolutely. Is it a, a failing of the system? I'm not so sure because you're not going to have a case like this probably again. It was the largest criminal investigation in Wisconsin history. The most police officers involved in an investigation uh, as far as I know in Wisconsin history and so um, you're unlikely to have this kind of a case replicated. You know one of the byproducts of this series has been that you have been vilified somewhat and I hope I'm not mischaracterizing that but I know that you've experienced a, a sort of a backlash as a result of the show. What does that feel like for you? Well there's several um, aspects to that. First of all we've gotten uh, what's approaching now 3,000 emails um, in my law firm, uh, which uh, range from insulting uh, to uh, a miscarriage of justice occurred uh, to um, actual threats. Uh, we've gotten uh, phone calls on a regular basis that are, are kind of uh, disturbing my uh, my business, um, and all of that, I think, is, is unfortunate. Let me explain... Um, uh, the kinds of things that uh, that are happening, Scott. I I have no uh, objection to individuals thinking that Stephen Avery is innocent uh, and voicing that opinion. I don't even have a problem if people want to uh, characterize me uh, as uh, having done something that contributed to that or even about my character. What I do object to is that there seems to be no limit to the either public shaming that happens uh, from Internet-based groups uh, or uh, as a collective, that is, the community feels entitled uh, to affect either me personally uh, or my business uh, for the result of a trial from from 10 years ago. Uh, I've gotten threats of of harm uh, to myself, uh, to my staff, uh, to my family, and to my friends. And uh, those kinds of things are, are uncalled for. When, um, when various people write to me and hope that my daughter is raped in front of me and I have to watch that or uh, that uh, my family 
tortured and killed uh, in front of me. Um, that shows me that the uh, Internet uh, group uh, or collective that feels entitled to not only express that opinion but try to um, create a, a consequence or a sanction, if you will, as a result of something that they've watched on television, I think is uh, absolutely aberrant. I don't know that anything can be done about it. Law enforcement's involved in uh, the investigation uh, uh, of these things, and I know it's become uh, kind of a blood sport to publicly shame people, uh, whether it's on the Internet or, or people that uh, are disagreed with, and, and that's really unfortunate because the opportunity here was for a very positive and, and very constructive dialogue uh, about uh, some of the criminal justice aspects and, and what happened. What this kind of threat and um, um, shaming uh, process does uh, is it causes um, officials, whether they're public or, or private, who are involved in a case, uh, to withdraw and not want to make any comments and, and kind of uh, put up a wall around them or, or bury their head. And, and I, I know I've been um, uh, somewhat criticized for being as vocal as I am uh, about, uh, about this documentary, uh, but somebody has to. I'm not going to shy away from it. That's my, uh, my personality. Uh, but I do believe that there has to be a limit uh, as far as uh, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate by way of a public response. Well, Ken, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks very much, Scott.